Know the little expression, time is money. As one computer said, if you're on the train and they say Portal Bridge, you know you better make other plans. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome to an extremely high-energy episode of the Ruthless Variety Program. Comfortably smug, Michael Duncan, myself, Josh Holmes. Hello, hello. This is going to be a banger of an episode. I'm like Babe Ruth. I'm pointing right now. I mean, to start with Joe Biden, basically just saying words. Like, there's there's no idea being conveyed. He's like, it's like, you know, on the train. when The computer they you, the said. Computers, the computer. Many, many computers are saying. Like, I, I assume he was trying to say commuter, but he says computer. And he just runs right through the rest of the sentence like nothing happened. It's like his his mouth is disconnected from the brainstem and that there's just <laughs> nothing there. And how many times have we started the program with a Biden quote it's of the gotten, week? It's gotten pretty that it's nobody gotten would know if not for the program, honestly. It's but, almost like there's some sort of progressive thing happening yeah, to well, old it's, Joe it's Biden. Like as time passes with age. He's falling apart. What could what could be the cause, right? Well, there's a lot of things falling apart in the Democratic Party. I can't wait to get into it. I'm super pumped. I feel like everything's kind of coming together at this point. But you know what? One thing we have to start with, fellas, it's the five stars. Absolutely. The five stars this week. I mean, gosh, they're just great. The, the, you want to start with this one? I'll, I'll, I'll go with the first one. This is from, I'm guessing, Attorney Mandy, A-T-T-Y Mandy. It says, down by the river, says the McAuliffe impersonation in today's episode reminded me of Chris Farley's skit in a van down by the river. Excellent work, as always. Laughs and smugs take on. Well, everything is a great way to start the day. Happy birthday to the program. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a hell of a year. I love it. So great. This is from K65791. Where have you been? I'm not a podcast guy, but somehow I stumbled across yours. One episode and I was hooked. I laugh a little, cry a little, and yell a little. Sadly, though, I feel obligated to tell you that this little venture is doomed to failure. There are way too many facts, too much logic, too much rational thoughts uh, for success in our post-vented gas can world. (laughs) Please continue to help us keep the faith. (laughs) I love that one. Uh, Here's one more. Cricket R, best program for windshield time. Between Smug... Trying to convince billionaires to abandon spaceflight in favor of real-world squid games and Holmes with his Fargo accent. <laughs> the drive from Bismarck Capital to Fargo just flew by. And I'm sure the other cars I was flying by were wondering what was making me laugh so much. I love it. I love it. So appreciated. Thank you so much to our listeners. We yeah. appreciate all those five-star reviews. Yeah, they're terrific, and we'll read them every week. So here's the reason why we're pumped up. Mm-hmm. Very pumped. The reason why we're pumped up is we watched, I think, the most impressive display of Republican offense that I've seen since the Kavanaugh hearings. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm talking about is the Judiciary Senate Judiciary Committee Republicans taking Merrick Garland to task for the Justice Department's effort to label parents who attend school board uh, meetings as domestic terrorists. This, folks, has to be seen to be believed. They were so good. It was beautiful. It was was awesome. I know we have audio. The first one I want to set up is Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton, 
this clip admittedly is a little longer than we usually play on the program, but it's long for a reason because he explains this whole thing in a way that frankly the three of us uh, couldn't do in a minute and 40 seconds. Right. Right. Let's hear it. You've cited as the basis for that directive, the National School Board Association's letter of September 29th. Was that directive being prepared before September 29th, before the School Board Association letter was issued? I don't believe so. Certainly, I didn't have any idea. So it was only prepared at, okay, I think that answers the question. I already answered that so, question So you, you keep citing the school board letter and news reports. That's news right. Re- One of the news right. reports cited in that letter, which you presumably mean, is from Loudoun County, Virginia. No, that's Scott, not, that is not um, uh, what I was talking about. Well, talking it, about, you keep citing news reports, and yeah. that's the most prominent news report that anyone in America has seen. That refers to Scott Smith, whose 15-year-old daughter was raped. She was raped in a bathroom by a boy wearing girls' clothes, and the Loudoun County School Board covered it up because it would have interfered with their transgendered policy during Pride Month. And that man, Scott Smith, because he went to a school board and tried to defend his daughter's rights, was condemned internationally. Do you apologize to Scott Smith and his 15-year-old daughter, Judge? Senator, anyone who's a uh, child was raped as uh, is a, a most horrific crime I can imagine and is certainly entitled and protected by the First Amendment to c- protest to their school board about that. But he was cited is, by the School Board Association that's fine, as a domestic that's not, terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your... No, th- this no, is, Senator, this is that's wrong. Shameful. Judge, that's, this is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. That's not... Th- cr- thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You that, should resign in disgrace, Judge. I mean, boom. <sighs> there incredible. we go. I mean, it's just so it's just so beautifully said. He said what we all have been thinking. He just laid it out there. The recitation of facts there in order are absolutely devastating for Merrick Garland, for the Justice Department, for these school boards that have basically went they went to the government to tell them to call parents who are giving them a hard time domestic terrorists. Uh, How is that happening in the United States of America? I don't, I literally, I don't know. We've covered it on the program. This has been one of the most genuine outrages that we've seen in a long time. And, And it's not a manufactured outrage as Barack Obama would have us believe. What he is talking about is a family who suffered an unspeakable crime where a a young woman was raped in a bathroom and the school board covered it up. And then they used the father's outrage at a meeting with said school board as an opportunity to label other parents as domestic terrorists. Right. That's what happened here. And Merrick Garland's protests... Says that's not it. No, that's what. It's exactly what happened. Exactly. And that's the thing is he's trying to hide from the truth. They brought the receipts. They had the documents. They had the memos, and that's why he was like caught in a deer in headlights. Like you can't see the video on a podcast. But as soon as Tom Cotton dropped that on him, he, I mean, he had nothing to say. It was silence. It was. It is so. Cotton, first of all, is a must see TV in all of these hearings because he comes with the receipts. Right. He comes with them. He he. Every single one. Remember with with Millie? I mean, he just, he always comes with it. But the beautiful little thing about the Judiciary Committee is he's not alone. 
He's not alone. He's got Ted Cruz, and he's got Josh Hawley with him, and others, Cornyn and others, who are just equally strong. Let's listen to Ted Cruz as he is talking specifically about Merrick Garland's conflict of interest with his son, who peddles education propaganda. Yeah, CRT. That you're talking about. So, if critical race theory is taught in more schools, does your son-in-law make more this money? Memo has nothing. If critical race theory is taught in more schools, does your son-in-law make more money? Yes or no? This memorandum has nothing to do with critical race theory. Will you answer or if you saw it at the kind opinion. of curriculum? Will you ethics. answer if you saw it in ethics? I am answering the best I can. Yes or no? Did you seek an ethics opinion? This memorandum has. Did nothing. you seek an ethics opinion? This memorandum has nothing to do with. General, are you refusing theory. to answer if you saw an ethics opinion? I'm telling you that there's no possible. So you're saying no, just answer it directly. You know how to answer a question directly. I'm Did you seek an ethics opinion? I'm telling you that if I thought there was any reason to believe there was a conflict of interest, I would do that, but I cannot Why do you refuse to answer the question? Why won't you just say no? I'm sorry. You're not going to answer the question? I'm sorry, say, ask the question again. Did you seek an ethics opinion? I'm saying again, I would seek an ethics opinion. In so ethics no is the answer, correct? There was a Senator, your time is up. I mean, that's it. That's it. Like, he could not even answer a yes or no question. That's the, that's the beauty of this is the Republicans have the receipts. They got the Dems got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Right. It's like it's like Merrick Garland knows why these parents are showing up to these school board meetings. It's because of CRT. Yeah, like that—that's not something that's secret. No, I mean he—he he uses news reports, quote unquote. News reports is the reason why he had to uh, label uh, these parents as domestic terrorists. Why were they there? Why, why were they at those school board meetings, Merrick? Yeah, was it because of CRT? He acts like he doesn't know. He acts like he doesn't know. And I misspoke. I said son. It's his son-in-law that he was talking about. But the point Ted Cruz was making is, or any member of an administration that takes official action right. in any way that impacts their family, right. particularly their family's finances, it is customary to consult an ethics opinion to make sure that they don't have to recuse themselves from the decision. The point that Ted Cruz is getting at is he never did that. Right. He never did that. Right. If you know, if you go back to Cotton's thing, what, what he, he's clearly shown is that Merrick Garland was using uh, the Department of Justice to target the political opponents of the administration to protect school boards, to protect the people who are supposed to be working for us, to be used as, as the mafia for these school boards to suppress the opinions of parents. And now you've got Ted Cruz being like, wait, 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 also, by the way, your son-in-law profits from critical race theory. So do you think you have a conflict of interest in labeling these parents questioning it as domestic terrorists? And it's like he hadn't even thought of it. Well, they have these guys dead to rights. They have these guys dead to rights. 100%. Everything that they are prosecuting, every piece of this that they're talking about, reveals the fact that the Department of Justice instructed the FBI and their prosecutors to begin an effort, to prioritize an effort, to try to go after parents who are showing up at school board meetings. They did so after the Loudoun County protest. Yes. Which were specifically about this poor right. man and his family suffering after the school board covered up the rape of his daughter. Yeah. Right? Right. 
and, and, and he all, made the Justice Department, the people who are supposed to prosecute crimes in this country, complicit in a cover up of a, a, a girl being raped. Like, like, think about that. Just think That's about psych- it. It's psychotic. It is psychotic. It's absolutely nuts. We have one more piece of audio. And this is Josh Hawley. Mind you, all of this is happening back to back in this hearing. Yeah. I've never seen a cabinet member get beat down more significantly than Merrick Garland did by this triumvirate. Let's hear Josh Hawley. I'll leave it at this, General Garland. You have weaponized the FBI and the Department of Justice. Your U.S. attorneys are now collecting and cataloging all the ways that they might prosecute parents like Mr. Smith because they want to be involved in their children's education, and they want to have a say in their elected officials. It's wrong. It is unprecedented, to my knowledge, in the history of this country. And I call on you to resign. Listen, well said. Yeah, bingo. Well yeah. said. It, it. This is, first of all, if the Trump administration did this, right? think about if the Trump administration tried to support a political ally, which that's what we're talking about here is a teacher's association. Right. The Teachers Association and education writ large. Not to mention something devastating for Terry McAuliffe, who's, you go. who's about to you know, have an election on Tuesday. That's right. Yes. That's right. This issue has risen to the forefront of Republican politics, and it's done so in no small part because of Glenn Youngkin and because of the efforts in Virginia mm-hmm. and because of Loudoun County and the parents there that are, are pointing out extremely, extremely troubling things about our education system, and it's all come together right at the right time. Merrick Garland sat in his confirmation hearing and answered questions from Ted Cruz, and Ted Cruz pointed this out at one point during the hearing, saying, you sat there in that chair, and you said, I would never politicize the Department of Justice to take on the political opponents of the president. That's what Merrick Garland said. Yeah. And since he's been in office now, Merrick Garland is using the Department of Justice to go after Republican states and their voting laws, go after parents yep. in their opposition against school boards. Preach. What does that look like exactly? So, yeah, he should resign. And with conservatives, this is something to pay attention to. A hundred percent. That's the thing. And, and, and Holmes, you brought this up while we were talking earlier about how important this moment is and how, how it feels like we've got our ducks in a row. It feels different. Right? It does yep. feel very yep. different. For, for those of you who've been super into politics over the last decade, you can point to like two or three occasions where Republicans at all levels are singing off the same song sheet. Yep. That, that, that what we're talking about has deep impact on the American people in a very real way. Democrats are fundamentally out of touch in a way that's, in this case, criminal. Yeah. It, literally. 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 And everyone, I mean, you think back to like the Kavanaugh hearings, for example, right? What they did to him, it put all of us on the same page. Mm -hmm. And we were, I mean, I don't remember the energy ever feeling that strong, except for maybe Obamacare, right? Which, which, by the way, ushered in Scott Brown as a new senator in 2010. That's what this feels like is, is that Scott Brown time. When we all got on the same page, we had him dead to rights. You know, when they're saying crazy things like we have to pass it to know what's in it. And now when 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 you have them defending, like I had no idea until these hearings that Merrick Garland's son-in-law profits off this. Like they're taught us stuff. This is they insane. taught us stuff. Dude, we, we did went, their research. We went we went from CRT is fake 
to CRT is a Republican boogeyman, yep. to CRT is real, but it's misunderstood, yep. to actually, if you go to a school board and say this stuff is bullshit, you're a domestic terrorist. That's how quickly, That's how quickly we've gone in six months. And the reason why is because Glenn Youngkin is tied with Terry McAuliffe right now. That's right. Because in the rest of the world, not where all these journos live and they write their stories, people are seeing this shit happen. And it's fucking real. And it's real. Yes. And, I, and I'll just say this. We're going to get into Virginia here a little later in the program. Virginia's a D plus 10 state, mm -hmm. meaning Democrats have a 10-point advantage. President Trump lost by 10. Double digits. This sucker is a nail-biter. Yeah. Shit is happening. Yes. Shit is happening. And you saw that energy play out today with those Republicans that were on that committee. I they, loved it. They brought the heat. It just... It was like, put it in my veins. Yeah. Put it in my veins. This is exactly what we want from the Republican Party. Do not shirk from the, the media characterization of what's going on. Remember, nobody wrote about Loudoun County. Nobody wrote about it. Yeah, Daily the, Wire the Daily wrote. Daily Wire yeah. broke that story. There wasn't a single journalist in the Washington Post, which is a five iron from where, they need, where all this stuff went down. Right. That actually looked into it. No, they have time to endorse Terry McAuliffe. Yeah. You know, but they don't have time to look into this. They have time to print op-eds from Bill Crystal, Right. Some idiot who nobody listens to as a game changer yeah. in the race. But they don't have time to look into how a man was hogtied and, and, and drug out of a school board in Loudoun County after his daughter was raped. They don't even have to... They, nothing? And the cover-up behind that, like... Let's I go. I can't, I can't wait for the Virginia Let's segment. Let's go. I, I Everybody just strap up. This is it, man, because yep. our guys have stopped listening to the bullshit. They are now running through that brick wall. The rest of us need to run with them. I love it. Chris Sununu should run for Senate. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's a, that's a great seg. I agree. Chris Sununu should run for Senate. We've got, we've got a new poll uh, looking at potential U.S. Senate race. This is St. Anselm. Uh, uh, doing this poll. We've got Chris Sununu at 46%, the incumbent Maggie Hassan at 41%. And that's the leanest number we've seen in that race. 41. You're in the incumbent senator. 41. 41. Yeah. Time's up. Time's up. It's over, Democrats. Yeah, the that's unified the thing control's we, over. When you got 50-50, Chris Sununu should run for Senate. That's right. Get us there. When you're silent on things like what happened in Loudoun County, when you're complicit with the teachings of CRT... That's the thing. ...and the racism that's involved, when you're trying to look the other way when Afghanistan happens and we leave Americans in harm's way, when you are trying to destroy our economy with inflation of flooding the cash of taxpayers into the system, when you can't allow ships to dock to get things to port because you've paid everybody not to work... Shit happens, man. Right. And if, if, if Chris Sununu is listening right now, there's your pitch. There it is. Go run against that. It's going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm super fired up, but we do need a little candy here. I feel like yeah. that was my candy. It was, can it was vegetables and candy. It was kind of like, like a candy corn. Yeah. There you, there you go. go. There, what could be better, right? If you, if you want to get really fired up, go back and watch more YouTube clips of that hearing. It's, I mean, it's like all the way through. This is our people doing their job. Right, make you want to run through a brick wall. Totally. It was so good. Ugh. So, um, for a little more 
candy directly, I, I have a little bit of Halloween banter, you know, more polling information. So uh, according to new polling, nearly two-thirds of Americans believe in ghosts or aliens. It says uh, half of Americans swear they've encountered a ghost from the great beyond, leading many to believe their homes are haunted too. According to a recent survey of 2,000 people, 21 and over, 63% believe in the paranormal in some form. Said respondents say the most common unexplained beings they believe exist include ghosts, that's 57%, visitors from other planets, 39%, and Bigfoot, 27%. I, I didn't... <laughs> we got soundboard. Nice soundboard. Excellent. <laughs> Smug, I want to I want to test you on each one of these cuz I believe you're a uh, a good bellwether. Yeah, sure. Um ghosts, where are you at? I, I say no on ghosts. You're a no on ghosts. No on a hard ghosts. no. So nobody who's passed lives here uh indefinitely in purgatory and is haunting our homes. I think they got a, a, a few places to choose from. I don't think in our homes. <laughs> Wait, but the existence? I, well, of, of spirits and such. Not that they're here. They're heaven, hell, you know? Like, I, I don't really believe. I feel like he's hedging not to disrupt the spirits. <laughs> yeah. Don't want them feel like he's You want to be about, on a bi- bad side of a spirit. You don't want to be on the bad side of a spirit. Y- you know what I Could you take in? a spirit? Well, I mean, if if a spirit were to exist, absolutely not. No yeah. chance. No chance of that. Who, who I think I could take in, in most cases, and, and I do believe, there's got to be aliens. Like, I don't know how. Oh, you're in on the aliens. I, I mean, th- I mean. Statistically, there's something out there. Right, right. Uh, no, one hundred percent, I agree with yeah. you. Just if you look at the statistics, the size of the universe, <laughs> yeah. aliens have to exist. Yeah. I don't know to the extent that like they visit us and build pyramids right. and right. such. Right. I think we should find them first. Like, if you knew, think I about, I, a, I knew I had a couple of Star Trek nerds. Look, no, all I'm saying is if you if you think about like what there's water on Mars, right? The there's entire water on Mars. Well, think about all the the history of time, how much time has passed, and how large the universe is. How is it not possible, just from a math standpoint? You think the planet Earth is that unique in the entire history of time and the space that we inhabit? That no other organism exists. I'm not sold. You're not sold. I'm not sold. I think you're wrong. I, I'm not. I'm not sure that the good Lord created an alien. I think. I think. Wait. That, wait. Why? Why? Why not? Well, I. I mean, there I, are things beyond our knowledge. I mean, the fact. Oh, that, I don't. I agree with that. I, I think the big fact, you know, that you can find water on Mars, and that's just the solar system, right? There's got to be aliens. There's got to be aliens. I don't think they're on Mars. I don't think they're nearby. But I think we should focus on on getting to them first because there's no way, if they're smart enough to have ships, that they want peace. I just love how he's looking at the preemptive strike. I mean, like, like he wants a neocon move on the alien. No, I feel like that. I feel like that. You got to move on him. You got to yeah. move on him because so, if they're smart enough to get here, right. you got to get them over there before they get them over here. Right. Yeah, right. So I, I was watching this movie uh, again recently, Arrival. You ever seen that? Oh, I love that movie. Great film. You got to see this, Holmes. Uh, same director as Dune. Awesome. It's awesome. Awesome. No, it's film. it's good. And and I mean, and, is this one of those dork like? No, 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 no. It, it's it's a great film. It talks about like if a bunch of ships landed in various locations, like ones in the U.S., ones, ones in, in China, China ones yeah. in Russia. How would the different countries react? Would they work together? I'm telling you right now, like China, Jesus. China would 100 percent in real life they'd be on board. With like, okay, let's see. We got we got like facial recognition AI. We can work something out. Pretty Let's easy to recognize an alien, right? I mean, they'd be like, "Let's work on this together." No, but like, sort of the meta story there, Holmes, is like, will will the people in China and the United States and these other places where the ships land work together, 
or will they take that alien technology and be like, is I it, can't trust the rest of the world. Yeah. Is it Earth versus the aliens, or is it like The China? aliens dividing us. Oh. You see what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. Yeah. That's okay. why. That's why. That's why. Number one, we gotta go, go after China and then the aliens next. <laughs> like it's it's very simple. They got hypersonic missiles already, folks. Yeah. <laughs> the Bigfoot number astounds me. Twenty seven percent. Yeah, of that. I don't buy that. I'll I say don't I, buy I'm it. On though, uh, an no, animal no that, that size. I mean, the range that it would have, the amount of food it would have to consume, people would see it. It can't be real. Mm. That's a no for me. I'm on, on Bigfoot. I have I have another. Uh, this is actually scary. It, you know, we'll go from spooky to actually being horrifying. Okay, we're talking about food prices, folks. So, you know, Biden announced that he's going what to some overseas meeting. Was it in Poland? I think Glasgow, and and so they're not going to have a White House Halloween event. So you know, oh. Halloween canceled. Uh, <laughs> food prices added to the list. Right? You know, food prices. You're looking at Thanksgiving is essentially being canceled. At this point, uh, what are some numbers? Eggs are up 12.6%, okay? Uh, Steak up 22.1%. Ham's up 7.7%. Like, your entire Thanksgiving table, the whole day. Eggs up 126 Like, you're paying you're paying an arm and a leg. So he's he's trying to cancel Thanksgiving, and I think this is this is the one two three. He's going for he's going for Halloween. He's going for Thanksgiving. He wants he, the trifecta. He wants the trifecta. He's going to cancel. He's Christmas, going to take folks. them all out. He's going for Christmas. Like the we we warned everybody. Obama started the move to attack Christmas. The war on Christmas <laughs> began under Obama, and, and 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 Biden's like, I'm going to finish what you started. <laughs> it's ambitious. Well, listen, we're gonna have we're gonna have a very specific Thanksgiving directive. On all of this, but yeah, I, yeah. I feel Thanksgiving like episodes a, are always, always incredible. Here. I feel like they're always incredible. And, and one thing I also wanted to point out is Publix had to put out this thing on their website, the grocery store Publix, great grocery store by the way. It says we've set purchase limits on key items. Uh, we apologize if uh, you know some items are out of stock, as supplies are limited. You can do your part by buying only what you need for the week so your friends and neighbors can do the same. Like, it did not take Biden long to turn America into Venezuela. Like, <laughs> when grocery stores are like, hey, folks, uh, we may not have a lot of food. Uh, buy as little as, as possible. Just think this is America. Yeah, this is America. This is America. I mean, you just rewind the tape in the middle of a pandemic. Last year, we didn't have these problems. Right. You know? These guys are presiding over disaster in every possible way. Don't worry, though. Don't worry. Guys, we got a gender strategy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's huge. That's yeah. huge. And, and, and I think that's a, that's the thing, like, we should really bring up because the choices that this administration is making, what is their focus on? It's uh, Here's an example. So, so news broke. Uh, the U.S. State Department has issued the first United States passport with an X gender designation. It's a milestone in the recognition of rights of people who don't identify as male or female. So the the State Department's like, okay, we need to first focus on can we get an X on the passport? There's possibly hundreds real? of folks Is that, that for the real? State Department was supposed to get yeah. out of Afghanistan. But it's in the Associated Press. It's real. I mean, holy cats. Yeah. We, we have not gotten the Americans out of Afghanistan that the State Department was responsible for. But, folks... We're working on that X on the passport. The, the, the priorities are incredible. Listen, it's incumbent upon every one of you listening. Talk to your neighbors about this stuff, right? That's the thing. You have an administration and a Democratic majority in the House and the Senate, probably a lot of Democratic governors out there, probably a lot of Democrats all the way down to the city council. We saw how they're destroying our cities, 
with defund the police and everything else. All these people believe fundamentally in things that are as insane as anything out there. Right. The, right. The, the focus like right now, like uh, the, the other example I want to cite is uh, U.S. lags China on hypersonic weapons by years. Raytheon CEO says. Right. State, state, state Department's working on the passport. China's working on the hypersonic vessels. If, and, and, if, the, if the defense industry is telling us we got a problem, you know you got a problem. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is like because th- their whole thing is, oh, you know, we have to project the image of we're the best, you know, invincible. And when they're like, hold up, folks. It says in the article from Bloomberg, the U.S. government is years behind China in the pursuit of so-called hypersonic weapons that bob and weave through the atmosphere at more than five times the speed of sound, Raytheon Technologies uh, chief executive said on Tuesday. Further, uh, the Milley thing? Yeah. U.S. General Mark Milley likens China's hypersonic weapon test to a Sputnik moment. Ah, good for him. Yeah. Well, he put down the White Rage book and oh, he figured out he's say, a general. Well, I was going to say, that, holy smokes, it's nice for him to actually focus on that instead of social policy. Right. right. The thing is, you know, I'm, I'm wondering where this newfound concern on defending America comes from. Like, you know, are the Chinese fueling their hypersonic missiles with White Rage? <laughs> is, is Milley like, <laughs> folks, we got a problem. The white rage is fueling (laughs) hypersonic missiles. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then there's this. This is what's a real kicker. Uh, China's satellite launch sparks fears over potential space weapons. As if it weren't crazy enough, it's called Shijian-21, a new satellite they put up, has a robotic arm experts say can grab and crush other orbiting satellites. So, like, uh, you know, the U.S. military uses GPS and such for, for its guidance on missiles and for, for the troops on the ground, everyone, why China's like, oh, you know, we have a conflict. That's a great GPS satellite you got there. What if ours was to just grab it and crush it? That'd be that'd be pretty pretty tough for you. Wow. It? Meanwhile, like I said, you know, our, they've our, created an offensive satellite. It just crushes them. It's like a James Bond movie. I mean, of course they did. But yeah. that's the thing that you used to think about if you were the United States of America. Right. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we created Space Force. Right? And everybody laughed at Donald Trump for it. It seems like Space but it's like, Force was a great idea. Right, because this is the next frontier of how we fight the wars of the future. Well, guys, rewind the tape back to Reagan talking, talking about Star Wars. Yes, that's, that's right. right. That's right? right? He was on top of this shit. And all of a sudden now we're talking about, I mean, the best thing that we've got going on in terms of, of what we talk about is like drones. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, don't worry. We're going to be okay in Afghanistan because of drones. Now, this week I read they're now concerned because the drones don't have anywhere near Afghanistan to take off from because we abandoned the damn thing. And and, and that goes back to, you think about, we had 13 service members who were murdered in that botched evacuation from Afghanistan that this administration, that Joe Biden is responsible for, right? And our response, what was it? Completely botched uh, drone strike on a car full of kids. The, 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 the people responsible for killing our service members have not been brought to justice and been held accountable. And this administration is focused on uh, putting an X on passports and white rage and they're wondering why and we're labeling and labeling parents domestic parents terrorists. domestic terrorists like the terrorists in this administration's eyes are parents who are concerned about their kids right not people who wish us harm and have shown they will kill our service and members. let me remind everybody at Bagram Air Force Base when we abandoned that we abandoned a prison full full of them of the most hardcore battle tested terrorists 
that our enemies have produced. And they all got like a, you know, top flight U.S. weapons and gear that were also abandoned because Joe Biden had no plan. He, he, he scuttled it. It was botched. And now you've got the Taliban better armed than they ever were before. But the domestic terrorists, oh, that's what they're worried about. The, these parents showing up at school board meetings, oh, man, we got we got to handcuff them. Your daughter was raped? We got to handcuff you and get you out of here. That's why, dude, listen, we need we need the the Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, Josh Hawley. There's candidates all over the country. We talked about Chris Sununu who should run for Senate. Adam Laxall. We have the reinforcements to stop this shit. There has right. been a, a greater show of force from the Biden administration attacking a parent whose child was raped than against the the people in Afghanistan who killed 13 of our service members. That's that's what this administration needs to sleep with. Oh. Should we talk about cocaine hippos? I think so. We got we we got should it's high energy. Yeah. It's high we're high energy. We might as well talk about cocaine hippos. So yes. so this is this is a, a US judge rules Pablo Escobar's quote cocaine hippos should have legal rights. I mean, it kind of makes sense if you think about it. Uh, the offspring of hippos once owned by Colombian drug kingpin Pablo Escobar can be recognized as people or, quote, interested persons with legal rights in the U.S. following a federal court order. Uh, the case involves, this is so nuts, the case involves a lawsuit against the Colombian government over whether to kill or sterilize the hippos whose numbers are growing at a fast pace and pose a threat to biodiversity. Because they're eating shit around them. Yeah. Uh, the cocaine hippos are descendants of animals that Escobar illegally imported to his Colombian ranch in the 1980s when he reigned over the country's drug trade. After his death in 1993 shootout with authorities, the hippos were abandoned at the state and left to thrive with no natural predators. Their numbers have increased in the last eight years from 35 to somewhere between 65 and 80. So here's the thing. That's so impressive. <laughs> a, 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 few, a few things, right? One, I'm, a, I'm like, did you guys watch Narcos? Yes, great yes. show. Yes, great I show. mean, so I'm fascinated with the whole Escobar thing. Oh, the yeah. fact that he has hippos is unbelievable. And when you're making more money than you know what to do with, I highly suggest hippos. Cocaine hippos. Number one thing you got to do is get the hippos. Get the hippos. So but here's my second question. I think this is where the minions are really interested. Mm -hmm. um, Smug. Yes. You're in the blue corner. Hippos in the red corner. Can you take one out? Hell no. Hippo wins. And that's, it's not even going to be Cocaine or not? Cocaine or regular hippo. Standard hippo, cocaine. They are killers. <laughs> I mean, they just, just killers. by numbers, by numbers, they are the most dangerous animal in Africa. That's, I've seen, they kill the most people. Is that right? Like that more, is. more than lions, more than rhinos, so, so more got than a, cheetahs. So I've got an asterisk on that because this is something that I follow somewhat closely. I've seen a number of nature shows. Why is this something you follow closely? I, I, I like to know the most dangerous animals. It's yeah. important, I think. You well, know, he studied you, it to try yeah. to figure yeah. out which ones he can no, take. No, no, look, I get it. you got to yeah. know which are the most dangerous animals. So, so there have been numerous reports that the uh, that hippos are the top killer in Africa. Yeah. They're actually number two. Why? Number one is that there's this ant called Siafu, right? And, and, and they kill more creatures in Africa. The question is whether you consider an insect as an animal. Well, so that's well, what I was going to kill the say. most people? Here's how they do it, is they wait for any creature to sleep, person or animal. Yeah. And they just swarm. Swarm. They do, we're talking about millions of wow. them. Strike it once. They go, and their plan of attack, these are these are wild, these Siafu. 
They go for like the respiratory tract. <laughs> they're the like, term. they're like, it doesn't matter if thousands of us die, die going into this dude's nose. As long as he chokes and dies, we win. And the rest will just like eat him up and carry him home. That's, That's terrifying. Well, That's so, amazing. So I read something that suggests that the top, mm-hmm. tippity top mm-hmm. thing that kills humans is mosquitoes. Well, yeah. Oh, that might be up there because of like uh, uh, malaria, right? No, yeah, yeah. Because no. they carry like Zika right. and malaria. Or the tsetse fly and all those things. Yeah, but I'm talking animals, yeah, but not insects. Y- and you know, I well, attribute, what I, about snakes? They, they have like, I think they take out like 100,000 people a year. I bet Siafu got that. I bet Siafu. And here's the Hippos thing. are the most dangerous animal. The thing about the mosquitoes is the malaria that kills them, not the mosquito. The mosquito right. can't claim the body count, man. Right. Well, hold on. I'm looking at these stats. Dogs take out 35,000 people. They? Honestly, they're probably bad people. In like a lot of those cases, like if the, if the dog is going ham. Going ham on the owner. There's a lot of tough cases. You know? What about like bad news kennels? They've got the, the pit bulls. You let one of those loose, they're taking other, out a kid. They? Like if it's a kid, I think the kid's innocent. Other but you're talking that, like, you're talking volume. The most dangerous land mammal is a hippo. And it's only mammals. Are we kind of only mammals in this? Well, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, look, there's a lot of stuff out there that'll get you. I mean, hippos kill more than like crocodiles and sharks. One like, that's that on, is wild. Like you're that's always scared wild. of that crocodiles and sharks. Like you know, there are movies about how awful sharks are. Dude, hippos got them. So we need a hippo see, movie. So if yeah. you see a hippo, you got to get out. Of get there. out of there. They're like, very territorial. <laughs> and, and like if you're taking like a, a boat ride anywhere, and a hippo rolls up, get away. Like why do you land, suppose no sports teams have the hippo? See, that's the, I think they're misunderstood. Bad PR shop. People, hippos have bad they PR. They should be the Washington hippos instead of the football. They thing. really should. They They'd should. be the most dangerous, like, the most dangerous out there. creature. A fallback is the mosquito. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, listen, we always do a little bit of polling. Uh-huh. And we always focus on the economy and overall job approval, which is just like tanking for Biden. But COVID... Guys, even, even there, COVID, Biden has dropped fifteen percent with Democrats. Yeah, yep. On co- on COVID, right? Uh oh. And nine percent with independents. We love to see it. Do you think perhaps it was a short sighted strategy to convince the American people that COVID would go away? If you just change the person sitting behind the yeah, if, if desk. you if you just pretended like you didn't know how coronaviruses work, yeah, you know, like if you were just said, yeah, I mean, I can flip a switch and I'm going to crush the virus, and that the media ran with their message, right? When right now the numbers do not lie. The fact is, more Americans have died from COVID in 2021 than died in 2020. Joe Biden was handed multiple vaccines. Dude had three vaccines. Can't and, figure it out. And, and they ha- and they still haven't look. They still haven't articulated the end game on any of it. Nope. They just keep every day. They keep perpetuating this thing that is like get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. They have never explained to anyone that COVID is not going away. They right. can't. It will never go away. Do you know what the flu is? It's a coronavirus. Oh. And that's the thing is they, their whole thing was was predicated upon making people believe, oh wow, Donald Trump is killing people. Right. Well, you have to elect us. I will. I will shut down the virus. I won't shut down the economy. I mean, we are looking at the exact opposite. More Americans have died under Joe Biden in 2021 than in 2020 when he was handed multiple vaccines, and he has effectively shut down 
the economy. Like, you go to grocery stores now saying, hey, folks, we might not have groceries. Uh, you, you have ships that can't even offload their goods. This is, uh, and this is what's really wild. CNBC had an article today. This is what this is what the Biden administration is doing during supply chain because I guess you know Mayor Pete can't show up to work, so there's not a lot of good ideas from <laughs> from, from a possible mayor who might be able to manage four trillion in infrastructure. Uh, he's the, got he's got he's got a big debut. Oh yeah, he's got, yeah, he's, he's got a flight to Chicago. That's documentary what, you know, for yeah. a documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. CNBC reports the Biden administration's solution to the supply chain bottleneck is fining shippers for stuck containers. It's going to find them. So, so guys, <laughs> like, how insane is this? We're, That'll solve it. We're, we're looking at inflation. We're looking at uh, uh, Americans in a tough economy who 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 don't know if they can even put Christmas presents on the t- you know or, or or Thanksgiving meal on the table. Are now like oh we're gonna have to pay for more for the same goods because you think you think these companies are gonna be like oh, oh they're just well, gonna absorb the fine we're <laughs> just gonna eat the fine no that's going right onto the consumer they so would it's like, love to offload the ship they would love they the, would the, love there's companies would they're not they want nothing more the companies aren't sitting in the middle of the ocean for fun yeah. because they think that's a good use of their time <laughs> yeah right you know I mean let's back this off the principal argument against Donald Trump made by the Biden administration was that the strategy that they implemented to combat the coronavirus resulted in more harm than good. Right. That's that's what their principal advocacy was. Right. Routinely, they said it didn't have to be this bad. That's you remember. That's what they said. It rings in your ears. Now let's review the tape. Right. When Donald Trump left office, there was three vaccines that were vaccinating over a million people a day. Right. Mm -hmm. Biden inherited that. He immediately got into office and they passed a trillions, trillions dollar bill that just went absolutely into the economy, ruined the economy, paid people not to work, paid people's rent, destroyed the supply chain of this country that now we can't get goods. The goods that you get now are overpriced. Right. People, people can't find goods and services at all, no matter what their means. People, they can't find people to work. So let's Gas talk, is through the roof. So let's talk a little bit about the strategies in place during COVID that ultimately landed us where they are. Trump's strategies produced a coronavirus vaccine yep. that helped us turn the corner. Everything since, everything since has resulted in absolute disaster, absolute catastrophic disaster. We are living with supply chain problems, inflation. They're still trying to, they have a three and a half trillion dollar bill on the floor. They right. want to do more. Of they the want same. to do it again. They want to do it again. And now they're talking about fining shipping. Get to, are you kidding me? And, and so here's, here, here's what's great is, is how much people are starting to realize this administration has bungled this. Looking at the polling numbers, this is, this is straight from Axios Ipsos poll on how much confidence in Biden's COVID recovery has tumbled. Everything I'm reading is a direct quote. So it says, uh, Biden's messaging is, quote, focused on the wrong problem from a confidence-building perspective, said Cliff Young, president of Ipsos U.S. Public Affairs. This is a direct quote from the polling. The problem is not the unvaccinated. The problem is convincing those who are vaccinated that they have the tools to navigate a COVID world, 
and reassuring those who've been vaccinated that they can live a normal life again. Oh. People are confused, Young said. There's no sense of what the end game is. That's what is. we just said, right? Bingo. That's what we just said. There is no end game. At what point do they, do they explain to these like deranged libs who are still sitting in their basement with two masks on, who are screaming at people outside that they got to put their mask on, who are, who are disrupting our schools, who are causing all that. Where do they explain to those people that they're going to re- live the rest of their natural life under that same problem? There's, there's an alternative reality that has been created, you know, through the pandemic. We, the pa- pandemic happens and the shutdowns start. And the number one objective trumpeted by the media was we're going to get this vaccine. And I think in, in doing that, we sidelined a lot of the realities and couldn't discuss what a coronavirus actually is. They now can't. Right. right? They, be, be, because they, 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 they built up a vaccine as the thing that would end this. Meanwhile, they were doing things like don't buy masks, buy a mask, actually wear two masks. Kids can't go to school. Actually, schools have never been safe. We need trillions of dollars into schools and then we can never open them. And so they constantly move these goalposts. And what they've done psychologically to the liberals in this country is something we still haven't been able to figure out. They've lost their minds. I mean, that's bottom line. And there's no he said, she said in this. These are facts. Yep. These and, are facts. And and and, and uh, today we saw numbers come out that said that uh, childhood infection rates for COVID have gone down. Down. Schools have opened. Right. Down, down, down. And yet we're going to make all these kids wear masks. My kid still and, has and, to wear a mask. And not be able to see the faces of their teacher, the faces of the fellow kids in the class, not Which be able to read emotions. Which hinders their, their, like, their, their the, learning. The question is, at what point, where do cases have to be in this country? How low do they have to go where the obvious economic, psychological, personal impact to the future of a generation of kids outweighs the risk of the coronavirus, uh, right? Right? Like, 100%. like, like, like. Why is the media not having that conversation now? Because until we start having that conversation, perpetuity. They're never coming out of the basement. Never, the never. liberals are never coming out of the basement. It's, ne- it's it's insane. Like we need therapy as a country if we we're do. actually going to get out of this. And and. and. Let's just go back to our favorite phrase of don't take the bait. The bait here is cases. Yep. Yes. Do we count cases for colds? No. Do we do we count cases for flu? Well, and that's my fear. My fear here is that we, we, we actually, our public discourse doubles down on this and says, you know, well, the masks were so good at, at beating back the flu as we were going through this pandemic doesn't it make sense to just keep wearing the mask? So done with it. It's, you know what I'm so saying? Ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like th- that's my fear is that now we get mission creep beyond coronavirus We're itself. already there. Yep. Yeah. And, and We're like, already there. And like you see how much they move the goalposts from, uh, what was it, May? They're like, take your masks off. And then like weeks later, like put the mask back on. And like you just said, when it first started, they're like, don't buy a mask. Weeks later, buy a mask. And then they Six say, people had a side effect to the J&J vaccine and they paused it. 
<laughs> that's the Bi- the Biden administration did. That's what the Biden administration did. And now no they're going to sit here now, six months later, and say, you know what? It's actually uh, it's the Trump supporters' fault. I, I, I just they have no ethics. They have no None. everything is a political talking point. Everything is factually wrong. And they have never leveled with the American people at what we're dealing with. And part of the problem is the rest of the world. Look, you expect Europe to be a bunch of weaklings on this stuff, right? You expect them Generally. to do what they're doing and, and, you know, oh, my gosh, we could get sick and let's triple mask and everything else. America's different. Right. Right. And I think what we're seeing in these poll numbers and I think what we're seeing in Virginia, part of the school debate that COVID honestly played a big role in trying to generate is Americans saying, okay, we're going to be Americans again. We're, we're, not going to, we're not going to take orders from the federal government to sit at home and wait for you to tell us when we can come out. We're not going to expect an allowance every month yep. so we can continue to live. We're going to take this back into our own hands. That's why I'm so excited. That's why that hearing today made me so excited. Right. Like you're watching everybody from the very bottom up to the very top who are sitting at the Senate Judiciary Committee today say we're not going to take it nope we're not going to take it anymore anymore. yep that's where i'm gonna go so speaking of abusing children let's talk about virginia folks yeah (laughs) let's go let's go let's go so everybody knows that mcauliffe and yunkin has this is the governor's election in virginia that's happening next week we've had like five six polls come out here in the last 10 days all of them show deadlocked deadlocked dead now i'll remind you again it is a D plus 10 state. Yeah, and, and they've already had their early voting, which, I mean, you know what that is. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, if you have any interest in politics whatsoever, and if you have the means, donate to this race. It, 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 feels, it feels different. Right now, the time feels different. Like, our group, our folks are so energized on the ground, and you see how shook the left is. Right. You see how shook they are, how much they're lying. This, this is what I love. So, so there's, there's, a, there's a, a story of all places, the Daily Beast. Terry McAuliffe said that more than 1,100 kids were hospitalized with COVID. There were 35. Right, a complete lie. Absolute lie. It goes back to what we were saying. It's like they live in this alternative reality, and, and they have to maintain that to keep their leadership Going, but like people are figuring out it's all fake. The, pe- the, the people who are not dogmatic, Democrat, blind voters, which include basically everybody on the conservative side, but now increasingly almost all of the independents. Yep. Right. These people are looking at this and saying, mm mm. And, yeah, the, and, yeah. then, and then they brought Barack Obama out for a rally, and he was, he was on stage yucking it up with Terry McAuliffe, and he was like, uh, you know, folks, the right is, is trying to create a bunch of made-up narratives about what's going on in schools. Uh, that's all just a bunch of fiction. And then today, you had Senate Republicans bring the receipts. You had, you had a student who was raped, and the school tried to cover it up, right? Yep. The rapist was sent to another school. And raped again. Raped again. And, and raped again. Raped again. Biden, Biden at a rally in Arlington for McAuliffe said, quote, extremism can come in many forms. Oh, this makes me crazy. It can come in the rage driven to assault the Capitol. It can come in a smile and a fleece vest. So what that's saying, what that's saying is parents at a school board meeting. That's right. a, I mean, it's a direct line. Right. He's, he's like, he's saying, he's saying that Glenn Youngkin stormed the Capitol, 
But what we know in reality is what he's saying is anybody who questions what we're doing is a domestic terrorist. That's, that's it's exactly a, there's it. a through line. There's a through line from Merrick Garland in this bullshit with the Department of Justice to Biden sitting there in Arlington, Virginia, saying, you know what? If you disagree with the regime's position on masking your kids forever and critical race theory and covering up a rape in Loudoun County schools, you're a terrorist. You're a terrorist. And like that, that, like this makes me so fucking angry. Yeah. And, and he should be. So, so a lot of uh, what occurred during COVID when parents were at home with their kids, their kids are on Zoom. A lot of parents finally saw what the hell their kids are yeah. being taught by these schools. Absolutely. And there's been a lot online. You can see the books. And, and I mean, it's just horrific. I don't think any child should be exposed to anything like the imagery in these books. I mean, you know, Google it. I'm not even going to talk about how disturbing and inappropriate they are for children to be shown these images are what's being distributed as required reading, right? And the McAuliffe campaign lies. And I was like, they're mad about a Toni Morrison book. And they start handing out- It's Tony complete Morrison bullshit. Book. Absolutely. And lies. it's all over Twitter. I saw all of the entire thing all over Twitter. That bill that Terry McAuliffe is talking about, like 14 Democrats voted for that bill. Yeah. And like 11 members of the Black Caucus voted for that bill. Yep. He vetoed it. So are those black people, are those, they're, they're insurrectionists too, Terry? That's the thing is- like you said, it's a direct line. Any opposition right now, they're saying you're a terrorist. If you're at a school board meeting, your your daughter's been raped. You're a terrorist. It's it's fact free, completely insane, insane. It's nuts. It's nuts. You know, I will say just as an aside, Dunks. What? Kind of nice to hear Smug talk nicely about parents. Yeah, I like I like these parents. These are these are parents. I doubted genuinely it. concerned. Because yeah, I mean, I mean, last episode he was saying we all have to be on Southwest. <laughs> you know, heaven forbid we'd be on a flight with Smug. Well, listen, with our South kids. W- Southwest isn't as bad as Gitmo, where Mayor Garland wants to send parents. That's oh. right. <laughs> Yahtzee. Oh man, I love it. I love it. And, and, and here's another thing that I just I thought was insanely nuts. We 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 talked about the Zoom, uh, you know, teaching and whatever. Uh, McAuliffe on Virginia teacher. He told Virginia teachers, "You are the true heroes." Of this COVID crisis. Yeah, it's not the doctors and nurses. A reminder, this is the exact districts where the teachers refused to show up after they cut all the parents in line. To get COVID. the vaccine. To get the vaccine. To get the vaccine. Yep. Yes, I remember this. Yeah. We talked about this previously on the program. These uh, teachers unions and these school boards insisted on the teachers cutting the line over senior citizens to get the vaccine. And then they turned around after they got the vaccine and said, you know what? We can't reopen the school. And then they sat on the Zooms. They sat on the Zooms with parents. And the parents were like, you know, I've got a problem. I've got a special needs kid. And like, we can't do Zoom school. This isn't going to work. Or like, we're not learning through Zoom. And and like, clearly this is making our kids suffer. And had their mics cut off. They had their mics cut off. And then those same teachers boards, the teachers unions and and the school boards were like, all right, all right. So topic two is we need to rename the school. Oh, yeah. You know, like oh, that's yeah. what happened. That's what happened. That's and now they're going to turn around and heroes. say, those parents, you're the heroes. You're the, t- you're the heroes. You're, you're the heroes. heroes. Like, thank you for your service, silencing concerned parents. It's 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 absurd. <laughs> Never mind the Amazon delivery guy who kept the supply chain yeah. going. Yeah. Never mind nope. the nurses and doctors who figured out how to put wrap themselves in plastic essentially to treat the american people oh those aren't heroes ne- never mind all of the people everybody from the guy who picks up the garbage who yes. never took a damn day off yes. to the mailman 
who kept delivering the grocery your mail. stores, the small business owners, their own restaurants, yeah. who figured out a way to comply Remember, with all of this bullshit for so long and keep their restaurants alive and keep people employed. No, they're not the heroes. My, my the people ha- who kept our kids on Zoom for a year, they're the heroes. Uh, my that heart, is insane. My heartfelt salute to the drizzly delivery people. Oh who, yes, who, who throughout the pandemic brought me my booze. They kept they, they kept you very drunk. They worked throughout the course. Of they it. worked. They while, did. While these teachers cut everyone in line, stayed home, refused to show up for work. You know, the rest of America worked, and Terry McAuliffe chooses them. He chooses. Uh, a justice department that wants to prosecute parents of children who were raped. He wants to prosecute parents of children who were raped. Dear listener, you're listening to this right now and you're not in Virginia. Donate to Glenn Youngkin. Contact their campaign. Yep. Find out a way that you can phone bank, um, email, text, call, post on social media. Find anybody, anybody that you know in Virginia and spread the word. And, and if you got any extra time, Tweet at Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Holly. I saw Cornyn did a nice job. Tweet at those guys and say thank you for raising this to a national. You're going to see on today's news a bunch of clips generated by those people about these very issues that we're talking about, and it would not be there and if not is, for this their This is efforts. a nationwide movement. Talk to your neighbors. Show up at those school board meetings. We got to organize because the thing is, is that we outnumber the Looney Tunes. These guys are crazy. It's they, time to get off the bench, it is. right? It's always been, we've always been the people who are too respectful. Right. And we've always been the people who. People too busy. They got a lot going on. You know, we're trying to take care of our own stuff, right? Because right. we're, we're doing the heavy lifting for the economy. We're the ones that are the mailmans. There are the, the. The business owners, the people with, with nine to fives who are, who are doing what they have to do. Right. The people have the free time to go ahead and complain. Nobody shows up at a school board meeting because you know, they want to twiddle their thumbs. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, it's fine. You know what? And take your kids. Take your, take kids. your kids. Go to a political rally. Take it. It's, now is the time. Yep. We are watching a change in this country, the likes of which we haven't had in a very long time. It's time for everyone to get involved. Yes. And your kids will remember you stood up for them. There were a lot of political prognosticators six months ago, when people like the Variety Program here were talking about schools being an issue, parents being an issue, a way for Republicans to come back and, you know, convince independents and suburban voters that these policies were wrong and that we were right. And the prognosticators said, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a fading issue. You know what's going to happen in the fall? Schools are going to reopen. And this is going to fade. This is going to fade from from voters' minds. And, we'll continue our CRT education. Yeah, you know, and after they see the accomplishments of the Biden administration, this will be old news. What they really prove thought, them wrong. Prove them wrong. What they really thought. What they really thought is that by sending a two thousand dollar check at some point, right, that that was going to buy people's allegiance. Right. Well, I got to be honest. The the price of your children are worth a hell of a lot more than 2000 bucks. Yeah. All right. So, um, <sighs> last thing geez. I think we should we should we'll breeze through this. No, no, no. There's no breezing through this. You, you want to hit this hard? I'm ready for it. We need to hit this I'm hard. I'm heated. I know Let's we're do going it. I know we're going long, but folks, this is this is important. It's it's very important. I know you've already reached work. Yeah. I know you're already there and I know you're already starting your job. You got another 15 minutes for this. Let's do it. Because what the opposition is trying to do to to pollute the information flow in this country 
stretches far beyond the the fact that the mainstream media is in the bag. They're focused on like trying to get Facebook to be monolithically liberal. And, and that's the thing is this is their play. At the same time, they are funding with tens of millions of dollars efforts to try to flood the entire internet with complete misinformation. Fake news. Complete fake news. Every major corporate media entity has hired a new vertical of reporters that report on quote-unquote disinformation, right? Yep. These people are basically the super PAC arm of the Democratic Party. They're like almost without exception just like dirtbag left. Right, that just attack Republicans. Whose job is to be like, Oh, wow. Everything a Republican says is disinformation. Just like flag posts and say this Facebook post is is fake news or whatever. Their job is to be like, oh, Donald Trump did an OK sign. That's white supremacy. Here's why Joe Biden doing the OK sign was not white supremacy. Right, right, right. There's an entire cottage industry of these corporate media entities that exist to amplify that message that Smug just described. But that's not enough for them. Nope. They have a multi-million dollar dark money ecosystem designed to not only attack Republicans, but spread fake news. To control all information. And you may not, and it's all disguised as real news. Mm -hmm. And so so Axios uh, had this article where they announced, they thought, and it was wild, when the reporter tweets this out being like, hey, read Hoffman. Of, uh, he's a LinkedIn. He's a LinkedIn. Creator. Yeah, yeah. The guy who founded founded uh, LinkedIn. Reed Hoffman and George Soros and others are launching a uh, fund to fund new media companies in efforts to tackle tackle disinformation. New media. New media companies. And the kicker, so they have this 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 lady Tara McGowan running it. Uh, yeah, Tara McGowan. Yeah. Just just to we give our listeners really let folks know give our it. listeners a little bit of background on all this because we're oh, throwing a lot, a lot, a lot at you right now. So Tara McGowan, who's a Democratic operative, last cycle started this group called Acronym, and they had an associated pack they called Pacronym because that's how these dark money groups right. roll. They're right. very so, shady. So people. Acronym is basically funded by you know your who you would recognize as all of the big players in dark money liberal politics. The point of acronym was to serve as a clearinghouse for all of these essentially fake news operations run by the liberal left to flood the Internet with misinformation. And so what acronym did is they they created this what they called a news organization, Courier Newsroom. Courier Newsroom was basically just like a front, a complete fucking it's a front. Sham. They hire these reporters, reporters not, not, in, not. in quotes, reporters in quotes, and their job every day was just to shit on Republican Senate candidates or gubernatorial candidates. And they'd but also with these like fake fake sounding names that was official. They'd be like, oh, you know, we're the, we're, we're, we're the Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Tar you know? Heel State News Association. Yeah. And in reality, it's basically a super PAC run by Democratic operatives to shit all over the Republican Senate. And, and, candidate. Which, which which press pause for a second. This is what the left accused Russia. Right. Of doing it oh, in 2016. Oh, let me go election. even further, the, Holmes. Do, do let me go. Race. Let me go even further. So, Reed Hoffman, Reed Hoffman, the guy who's funding this, who says he wants to battle disinformation on the internet. This fucking fraud yep. funded an entire fake news operation in the Alabama Senate race special election. Yep. You remember this? Yep. Worked through this group called New Not or what was it called? New Knowledge. New Knowledge was this group that they, they're quoted. I got to read this from the New York Times. 
Sorry, I'm getting very no. You should get very heated. Get the New York the- Times, New York Times headline: Secret experiment in Alabama Senate race imitated Russian tactics. Oh, weird! Imitated them. Imitated. Imitated them. They were just being so savvy. Oh. You know, it, it didn't it didn't destabilize democracy. They were just imitating some tactics. Yeah. No. From the article. From the article. New knowledge: A small cybersecurity firm that wrote a scathing account of Russia's social media operations in the 2016 election that was released this week by the Senate Intelligence Committee. The Intelligence Committee, the people accusing Donald Trump of being part of the Russian collusion. This group was behind a scathing report on that. You want to know what they were doing that Alabama Senate race that Reed Hoffman was funding? What were they doing? Fake Russian bots. Fake Russian bots that made it look like Roy Moore was being a front for Vladimir Putin. And they wrote fucking articles. Like major corporate media entities wrote articles that said the Russians want uh, Republicans to win the Alabama Senate race. The entire thing was a false flag operation funded by Reed Hoffman. The guy has huge balls to sit here and say he's going to fund dis stuff to battle disinformation. He's one of the kings of disinformation. And, and that's where I want to go with this. So this is what's hilarious. What when when you Google Reed Hoffman disinformation, you find he's getting called out for funding these efforts, right? And then what does he do? He starts this group. He's funding this group, and he puts Tara McGowan in charge of it, who was caught with her hands in the cookie jar with the Courier fake news. And and this is what's also funny. This is broken in Axios, mind you, yeah. in Axios, which is funded through Emerson Collective. A a, 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 a a venture capital firm which is which is run by Lorreen Powell Jobs. There it is. A max out Democratic donor, the widow of, of Steve Jobs. Okay? So the people who are funding Axios, right, who who break the, the this story are funded by Democratic max out donors. It's so per, so weird that it gets it gets turned around to something that's fighting disinformation when the whole thing is wired up from the top echelons of the Democratic establishment and deep pocketed dark money interests. It's fucking insane. And that's the thing. So 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 you hear like these these nut jobs on the left, like Sheldon Whitehouse calling out. He's like, oh my gosh, dark money. When when Democrats use dark money five to one to anyone on the right, right, right. And he doesn't call them out. There's that guy Viss in, in in Switzerland who's funding these dark money groups. You've got Reed Reed Hoffman funding these dark money groups. They give the money to this this lady Tara McGowan, who is running Pacronym and Acronym, and they you might remember her name because the reason that the like Iowa caucuses were messed up is because they um, were behind the shadow they're, app. They're behind. They the were behind app. the shadow app. Shadow app was this thing that was like, supposed how to re- can it, be? it was supposed to report back all of the uh, results from all the caucus meetings across Iowa and the thing fucking failed. Yes. Right. And then, so you got Pete Buttigieg out there claiming victory in Iowa and nobody has a sense of who actually voted for who. And And the whole thing was being run through this. And the beauty of it is first, uh, Tara McGowan takes the standard Dem, you know, position of when they're caught and says, Oh, we don't own shadow. Right. First deny. Then, you know, uh, news organizations get their hands on the actual receipts right. and they're like, yeah, you actually have a controlling stake. You own them. And she's like, oh, my bad. Uh, I guess this will just go away. Right. So now she's going to have a new company and it's called Good Information Inc. And I the mean, beauty Good of it Information is, Inc. Wow. The beauty of it is, is it exists because they purchased Packernim. Yeah. Like, wow. It's just a shell game. It, and here's it. Her Good Information Inc. says, you know, oh, I mean, look, I mean, we want, we're, we have a progressive agenda, but we're not here to run fake news. In fact, you know, there are conservative perspectives that we oh, would I like to amplify. Ones. I wonder which ones. Well, here uh, from uh, from Tara McGowan herself is that 
Uh, she points to the bulwark. Oh! <laughs> a center-right news site founded in opposition to Trumpism as an example of the type of center-right news outlet that it could fund. She's literally pointing to an entity on the right that's funded by Pierre Madire, right? The right? Like post. the same guy who funds The Intercept and all these left-wing rags. That's who she's going to amplify. And by the it's way, it's all above board, guys. Everybody over there is like a basic. They're the stars of King of the Hill. Yes, the stars. Right. And we wouldn't have King of the Hill if it not is, for Bulwark. This group shares with acronym faced an FEC complaint last year that alleged it wasn't transparent enough about Courier's backing. So what did they do? Let's get another shell company. Let's just do it. Let's just call as far as good information. Shane, Shane Goldmacher had a great tweet on this. New York Times. We, yeah. we've rarely praised, but Shane's right when he's right. In, in light of all of this news that came out uh, on Axios, which, again, is funded by Lorene Powell Jobs, the widow of Steve Jobs and a max-out Democratic donor. But, but don't let that distract you. It's all above board. Shane Goldmacher tweets out, With Courier Newsroom in the news again, it's worth looking at some of the ads, some of the ads this group's Virginia arm, the Dogwood, is currently running ahead of the election. Does this look like news or politicking? Which is which is great, and I'll, I'll, for our listeners, I'll, I'll read them out. But to your point, Smug, they have all these. It's not enough that they have a a a fake news operation that they call Courier Newsroom. They have subsidiaries yep. that they call the Dogwood. Yep. Well, I mean, who who wouldn't trust their news from the Dogwood? Yeah. Anyway, here's the the ad. What would the future of women's health look like <laughs> if Glenn Youngkin became governor? Quote: It'll be just like Texas. Says the executive director of Progress Virginia. Yeah, Progress Virginia. I, mean, I think Progress Virginia sounds like just a, a very a very neutral source <laughs> that this that this Courier newsroom, also known as the Dogwood, just feels like it has to spend thousands of dollars putting in your news feed on Facebook. And what data are they using to target that ad? We don't know. I mean, we don't know. But you know what? The the real problem was Republicans and Donald Trump. That's it. You know, and we got to fight that disinformation. Can we talk just? So the advisory committee is made up of two dozen political, quote-unquote, media, political, and tech experts. Yes. Dan Pfeiffer? Yeah. Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Oh, yeah, Pfeiffer. Dan Pfeiffer. Yeah, pod safe. And I'm not going to go through them all, but the, the point is... I like, want to just say one thing. Pfeiffer, you're a coward for blocking me, but we can continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is part of the, the pod bros... Right. This is part of the Proud Bros. Realm. But listen, listen, you guys, I was doing the running man during that segment. You had the RPMs. Yeah, we got started. I mean, I, mean, you had, I got very RPMs. heated. I'm still heated. Garbage. I can't help myself, man. That's I mean, why this I stuff makes me this. so mad. Smug, I know we're going over time, but that's why it I had to be to done. Do this. I saw I saw the look in the old man's eye <laughs> and he was he was look at him. Look at him, he's still... I'm still... He's upset. I am upset. <laughs> I can't help myself. He's upset. This shit makes me we, so angry. They're such mad. fucking hypocrites. They are. They're criminals. We, should, we, we, gotta, we gotta hold them to account. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. You get a high energy, that is, ruthless we, we variety We promised a high energy episode, and, and we're giving it... It back. ain't over, because we're gonna play a game. Yes. <laughs> yes. Finally, I can be happy about something. The signature game. Yes. King of the Hill. Let's do it. All right. Who do we have this week? Well, I mean, I'm the champion. And I have Max Boot. Yes. So he's going to be defending it a nice week. He did. And I feel pretty good about it. I'm bringing the one, the only, possibly the biggest asshole on the internet. I'm bringing, 
Tom Nichols. <laughs> <laughs> I love the mind meld between yeah. Smug and Nichols. Well, that's the thing that I'm a little concerned about. I like my content. Yeah. But there's a real mind meld there. Yeah. It's uh, like, you know, when I had Dowd, when he was in the thrust of Dowd, I didn't feel like I could be beaten on any given week. You were really good at delivering the Dowd content. Yeah, because it had a nice West Wing feel and all right. kinds of different things. When he has the elitism... <laughs> Right. Associated with Nichols. Oh, there's gonna be so many nukes. It's on that. consistent with his brand. I feel <laughs> like I have the content to win, but I'm concerned. Okay. Well, let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. In the red corner, fighting out of the Harvard Extension Campus, our challenger, Radio Free Tom Nichols! And now, in the blue corner, fighting under a tilted fedora and current, Champion of the world, maximum war now, war forever, boo! It's <laughs> just so good. War now, war forever. Oh. I, I love that Nichols intro, and I'm so leaning into it. I, I, I got I got these nukes ready. Okay. I mean, you know what? I'm going to do something on president. I'll even go first. You want me to go first? Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're really going to go first? The yeah, confidence. Nichols went ham. Okay, so for The our, disrespect yeah. to Max I mean, Boot. I don't, don't want to wait. For our, for our new listeners, you know, the, the big advantage in being the challenger is that you get to go second in the first round. In the third round, if Smug goes first, he gives up that advantage. It's kind of the equivalent of, like, going it alone in Euchre. Yeah, yeah. I, I, or or like deferring on the toss. Yeah, right. You win the coin toss, and you're like, don't care. Let them decide. Right. I I'll do whatever. So 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 from that wonderful intro from 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 Ashbrook, uh, we have from the Harvard Extension. Nichols leans on it because people have been trolling him. He says, <clears throat> to the resentful goobers who slam me about quote Harvard, don't realize that I did not go to Harvard that I teach in the Open Enrollment Extension School, and that I worked my way through Boston University back when BU was a gritty urban school. But I raised my martini to them anyway. <laughs> Get the fuck. He really tweeted this. Just. <laughs> God damn it. He's like, I went to the working class Harvard. He's like, this isn't regular Harvard. This is the Harvard School of... Of hard knocks. I think, like, I went back to BU. It's a tough school. AOC graduated from there, you know? <laughs> you, you read the analysis of what you should play. Went right for it, man. You read the analysis. Our minions are beautiful it's minions. It's at, at T-Rec, T-E-A-R-E-C. Follow him. The guy knows his stuff. I, I did my research, and I'm ready to roll. I feel, I feel, I feel <laughs> a little bit screwed here because <laughs> this guy is so good. At an analyzing yeah. what wins King T -Rec of the Hill. is next level. Yeah. That, that Smug is now studying him. Right. In order to play the game. Yeah. Right. So we got Billy Bean over here I mean, now. you got to watch the game film, He's right? doing the sabermetrics. Oh, he basically <laughs> has used his analysis yes. as a way of, of trying. Jesus. Okay. Well. 
look, there's two ways for me to handle this. I go with my nukes to try to win the first, which, as the analysis shows, as the analysis shows. it is a yep. extremely important round. Yeah. Or I throw it, and I use my nukes to try to get two and three. Okay. Not telling you which one I'm going to do, but I'm going to play one here that I believe the judge and the jury are responsive towards. Okay. So this is a retweet of a Facebook critical lefty outfit, which says the top performing link posts by U.S. Facebook pages in the last 24 hours are Petapixel, Dan Bongino, Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Dan Bongino, Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Breitbart, Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro. (laughs) Boot retweets and says, good going, Facebook. (laughs) Sarcasm alert. Man. As if it's Facebook's decision. No, it's great. As if it's Facebook's decision. Never forget, listener, that the people arguing against Facebook, the people arguing arguing against fake news, the people crying that democracy is under assault, hate democracy and hate the people of America more than you could ever imagine. A hundred percent. More, They're not interested... In what these people want to share on Facebook. They don't care about their political opinion. You know, the, the news that animates their life. The perspectives that they appreciate. They would rather have the entire news media be command and control from three broadcast stations and tell you, no, you got to suck up and take That's it. the whole point. Right. You can't, you know, there's nowhere else to get the news. Fuck you. That's what they think. That's what they think. And the point that Boot is making is that Facebook... Not the American people. Right, right, right. Facebook doesn't doesn't reflect, I don't know, like fucking 300 million people <laughs> and their opinions on things. No, it's, it's Facebook's fault that these people all want to share this stuff. It's not those people's political opinions. You're not out of touch. You're not out of touch, Max. <laughs> and Dan Bongino and Ben Shapiro, right. their opinions shouldn't be heard on Facebook. That's the key. And that's why I think this is a super powerful post because it, what he's saying is that it's Facebook's obligation to ensure that the things that trend, the right. things put that your the American th- put a thumb on the scale, yeah, are interested in should not be heard. Good going, Facebook. So, so here's the thing: is, is speaking of powerful, I want to reiterate. I want to reread this post. <laughs> it says the resentful goobers he can who fe- slam me about quote Harvard. Don't realize that I did not go to Harvard, that I teach in the open enrollment extension school, and that I worked my way through Boston University back when BU was a gritty urban school. <laughs> but I raised my martini to the memories. And here's the power, because now I am going to tweet at Tom Nichols, you went to Harvard, and just make him angry, because I know he's in his house with his cat, and every time he sees someone say he went to Harvard, it's going to piss him off. And I invite everyone to join me. So I think, I, so I, yeah, so I think that that's the point here. I think all the minions should take Smug's advice and tell everyone, respond him. and say he went to, to, Harvard. <laughs> he went to Harvard. It's a beautiful little play, but in terms of the round, I think it goes to Oh, play. please. Let's <clears throat> well, look, uh, 
Holmes very smart to play this. Yeah, because you know it uniquely impacts the judge and jury. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a hot spot. It's Facebook's it's Facebook's fault. Yeah, so the American people like conservative things. The thing I like about about Nichols there is he's it, in in the second half of the tweet he's like I am like a working class <laughs> stiff who like had to like I went to BU. It was the extension program. But he begins it by saying, you resentful goober. Exactly. <laughs> so he's like. He can't help but step on his Right, right, right. So he's saying, I went to Harvard Extension, but I'm actually still better than you. Yeah, you resentful, resentful goobers. Resentful goobers. <laughs> right? That's what makes it so uniquely Tom Nichols. It is. It's it's perfect. This is one of the hardest rounds to judge. This is a tough round because it is very much in line with 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 the Tom Nichols stuff. Good going, Facebook. Uh, Good going. I think this is really a coin flip, but. I got to give it to Holmes on the fact that this is the thing that we're all talking about in the news. And for that reason, it goes to Holmes on, I would say, a tiebreaker. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's just so powerful. Both of those were so good. And I hate hate that I had to. We both dropped nukes on round one. But really, really, this was one of the hardest rounds to ever judge. We, We both. We read the analysis. Really. <laughs> so good. <laughs> the nukes were dropped. Oh, I, I, I'm 100% ready for round two. Okay. I got plenty of ammo. Okay. So let me come with round two. Which well, I- you technically don't have to go first. Oh. I can. I can. I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, he. I'm telling you, when he's got nukes, he's got nukes. I'll okay. go again. I'll okay. go again. <clears throat> mm. So this is Tom Nichols. He is, quote, retweeting Matt Grossman. Uh, Matt Grossman cites a study that found nothing increases vaccination rates. $10 or $50 financial incentives, uh, different public health messages, or a single, a single, uh, a simple appointment scheduled. Uh, Tom Nichols quote retweets this by saying, "I wonder if you know, just moving on from begging and bribing to just oh maybe mandating would be a better policy." <laughs> so like the like champion of anti-authoritarian is like, listen. <laughs> Like, let's stop trying to... Please, Daddy. Yeah. It's, it, no more. Uh, just tell the people what Mandate to do. Mandate me, Daddy. Yeah. We <laughs> just need Biden to take total control is the only way to fight authority. That's how we're going to fight. That's how we're going to restore democracy. That is. is forcing people to do stuff. The only way for democracy to work is for an authoritarian leader like Joe Biden to take over. It's a simple message. <laughs> let, let, me, let me stay on genre because I think I can go for the knockout. On genre? On genre. Okay. This is Max Boot on the 26th of October, 226. I have no idea whether he got into it early, but, but it seems like it. Governors Ron DeSantis of Florida and Greg Abbott of Texas seem to be in a sick competition over how many of their own citizens they can kill by catering to anti-scientific prejudices. I mean, this is like six-month-old takes. This is a microwave take <laughs> from God knows when. Kill. Kill. How <clears throat> many? No, no, no. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. 
A lot on the left has talked about putting citizens at risk. A lot of a lot on the left has talked about irresponsible decision making. He is saying how many of their own citizens they, the governors, can kill. I'm quoting. I mean, here's I'm the, quoting. This, this is maximum basically being like the dude who dressed up like the Grim Reaper like a year and a half ago on Florida. This is beyond a microwave take. Yeah, but dude, that's the quote. They can kill. They can kill. I mean, here's a direct quote. It's not the, It's not even the coronavirus. This is like homicide he's talking about. <laughs> Nickel, straight up. I wonder if, you know, just moving on from begging and bribing to, oh, just maybe mandating would be a better policy. I mean, that's a, that, that that's that's new. I feel like we're, that. we're moving on from defending democracy to actually authoritarianism is the only way they to can democracy. kill is so much more. I mean, that is they can kill. He's talking. He's literally accusing the governor of Florida and the governor of Texas of a homicide. I mean, it's a disappointing microwave take from Maximum. Oh, and I'm, I like some Maximum Booth stuff. I know what he's doing. No, he's, I mean, I know what on. he's doing. He's <laughs> trying to, to survive. <laughs> this is a knock. I don't even need to sell it. This is a victory. I wonder if, you know, just moving on <clears> from <throat> begging or bribing, <laughs> oh, maybe mandating. Okay. Well, so the, the thing I like about um, the Maximum Boot take is like we're 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 past the delta wave in florida right, right? like they have in texas in texas but like they have like lower they have lower case counts and hospitalizations and deaths like per hundred thousand in all the blue states. right right in all the blue states yeah like so i appreciate that he's still banging the drum on like if you want to get that taken he should have got it in four months ago you know what I mean? Oh, that's part of the beauty of it. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. Like, that's He's what still I still talking that's, about. That's it. what I respect about it is the guy is so desperate for the approval of the Democrats that he's still on the message that has like lost its potency like two months ago. And let, well, let me just add, let me just add what he is promoting with that tweet is a column that he wrote about blame the GOP elites, not the grassroots, for the party's dissent. Ah. Right. Yeah. So he's saying he's resurrecting data from four months ago to try to throw stones basically at McCarthy here. Yeah. To say that DeSantis, Abbott, and by extension, McCarthy and others are, quote unquote, killing their own citizens. Yes. And here's the thing, though, Smug. Because we've previously... Had and, and the judge and jury is going to pull out some evidence from the evidence locker from a previous uh, King of the Hill where we had uh, oh, Tom president. Nichols. We had, we had Tom Nichols out here. Remember when we was poo-pooing all the uh, the lotteries, the COVID lotteries in no, Ohio he, and stuff? Yeah. And like people giving away donuts or French fries. Yeah, he hates and stuff. that. He hates that. Yeah. The idea that people would get something. For doing something good. Right. He hates that because he's better than that. But he's not better than that because he went to the extension program. But also you're a goober and he's better than you. <laughs> so the reason why I really like the Nichols take is because of that. Is because he has a wow. resume. Is this is impressive. He has a resume of opposing this stuff at every step. Every incentive program to get people vaccinated. He doesn't want to give people shit. And now he's so fed up with it. He's like, actually, you know what? Authoritarianism is the best. 
And for that reason, that's why Smug and Tom Nichols win Let's round go. two. Let's go. I'll tell you this. It's I'll the body. It's the body of work. I, you know, it's like I'm in the college football playoff committee, and I, you know, I'm looking at records and I'm looking at stuff on paper. I got to look at the overall body of work here. And for that reason, Nichols wins. Let Let me just say, although I feel like I had a hotter take there, that was a Scalia. Like decision, I'm an originalist. He went right back to precedent, yes, and applied it. That's by the by the book, man. Like literally, that's perfect. So <laughs> I'm not ordinarily. If that was just a, a quick decision, yeah, I would have protested vehemently. No, but the fact that you brought out the receipts on previous, yes, I I, I respect. Okay, I respect. On to round three. So I, I am I am I going to lead this one? Yeah, I think typically he is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, don't give up your advantage in round three. I got, I got, I got ready for round. Three. I saved mine. You got it, Holmes. I saved mine. You saved yours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the world has moved past the Mueller investigation, uh-huh. and how that has sort of been the coup de grace from the media uh-huh. about how. They're going to take down the Republican Party. Yeah. Right? Max Boot has not. <laughs> Max Boot has not. This is from October 25th. Around, you know, he's got some hot takes around noontime. I feel like the martini lunch might be a, a thing here. <laughs> um, Max Boot. Failure to investigate would offer Trump a de facto pardon. And an invitation to do even worse should he return to power. That's why, and this is new, that's why I think Garland needs to appoint a special counsel to thoroughly investigate Trump's abuses of power. It's another special counsel. That's not what a special counsel does. It's not. That special counsel investigates the president. Right, right. You don't get to appoint a special counsel to attack people who are private citizens. It doesn't even work. If you're attacking private citizens, you know what that's called? A a state police, a private state police. Prosecution. Special counsel. He's revived the Mueller construct (laughs) to attack Trump 10 months out of power. I just love the idea that Max Boot is like, no, you know what? The Biden administration, the person who, who has unified Democratic control in Washington, actually needs a super judicial arm that can prosecute Americans. That's how we're going to restore norms in this country. I got this. And and like you said, you know, your wisdom of, of let Holmes play the card first, because I have the complete answer Okay. for this. This is the answer. <clears throat> right on theme. So MSNBC sends out this tweet. It says, it's very possible as we sit here today that Donald Trump will return to the presidency and that this Republican Party we're talking about will take control of Congress. This is Charlie Sykes. Tom Nichols, uh, quote, retweets this and says, but gosh, Democrats aren't feeling the enthusiasm about Biden and they're mad because they can't agree. So I guess everyone should stay home and let the authoritarians walk back in. (laughs) Again with the authoritarian thing, but this is the beauty of it is he's like, so in an election, Democrats took over the White House, the Senate, right. and the House. Right. Uh, it must be like an authoritarian government that just lets someone else take power, <laughs> right? That's very authoritarian, and it fits with the whole unified theory 
of their accusing, oh my God, the Republicans are authoritarians. We control the White House. We control the Senate. Right, we right. control the House. And, and, and this is why we need to federalize elections because it's totally normal for a party with total control to demand co- complete control of elections too, right? Right, and also— That's how we fight authoritarians. And this is the, the, the sweetest part of it, in my opinion, is that he's saying that these authoritarians— are going to come back to power through democracy. Totally. Right? It's That's like, how it works. It's like we have unified democratic control in Washington, and they're going to uh, seize back control. These violent authoritarians, yeah. these people that don't believe in democracy, are going to do it by... I don't know, winning a bunch of elections. Yeah. And that's the <laughs> that's thing that's going to be against democracy <laughs> is Republicans winning elections. And in that, you see the conceit of their entire argument. Totally. Which oh, is, totally. Which is that if we win, it's it's authoritarianism. It's not the ballot box. No. It's not democracy. The democracy, they say that we're trying to destroy. If we win the election, it's automatically authoritarianism. Yeah. It's, dude, but, it's the unifying but I will theory. Say, it's everything. Yes. It's like Stacey Abrams. Right. Oh, wow. She wasn't right. allowed to win. But it's I, the authoritarians. I will say it's pretty standard. That is the way that they all talk. Yes. There's He's appealing to me as judge What, what we have here in appointing a special counsel yes. is brand new. No, dude. Special counsels are basically standard lib. Right, look. No, no, look. no. Not at this point. Not when you have a president who's 10 months That's, in the rearview mirror. Yes. And that, that is, I think, the deciding factor here is that the brain worms have burrowed so deeply into <laughs> Max Boots' fedora that he's now under the impression that a special counsel can be appointed to fight the political opponents of the president. And for that reason, Holmes wins. <laughs> Boot back to back. Boot goes back to back. Oh, incredible fight. Smug, smug I got to tell you, I think that might have been one of the best. It was. You know what? Here's a tweet. It was. As an extra special tr- uh, treat, this is this is a Tom Nichols tweet that I want to read. Oh, you let you. Because you. it's just awesome, and I think everyone should hear this. Uh, so the Washington Post tweeted out that six times more natural gas is leaking into the skies of Boston than is officially reported, new research shows. Tom Nichols says, I'm going to get blamed for this. I just know it. So... <laughs> The guy likes cats and farting and, and defending his Harvard pride. What's weird what's weird is like that's the most normal tweet he yeah. has. <laughs> oh my god. Like that one was left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> well, fellas, it was a good game. We gotta get to this interview. Let me just preview the fact for our listeners. Hollywood Hen. First time interviewer. She makes her interviewing debut. Yes. With Ralph Norman. Let's go. I want to welcome to the program Congressman Ralph Norman from South Carolina. Congressman Norman, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Glad to be with you. Yeah, so we just wanted to give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better. So um, I think we're going to start with just a little bit of background about yourself. Um, I know you were involved in local state politics back in the early 2000s, but you came into office here in the House in 2017. Um, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and why you got involved on the federal level when you did? Sure. Well, my, my background, I'm a real estate developer. did that for the majority of, of 40 to 50 some years. 
uh, decided to run for Congress. It's always been a dream of mine. I said it uh, when I was a teenager that when I was a page for Strom Thurmond, this is what I wanted to do if I ever had the opportunity. When Mick Mulvaney uh, resigned to be named OAM, uh, the uh, under Donald Trump's administration, mm-hmm. um, later he was a chief and his seat came open and he had beaten John Spratt previously. I had had a race against John Spratt and had had lost it, but uh, he won it. And when he came open, I just said, this is a great opportunity. And I effort to help the country, particularly now. So uh, the rest is history. Was there getting to Congress? Did it meet your expectations or what were some of the things that were maybe surprising once you got here? The surprising thing is we don't have, we have very little business people that have got a background in running a business, having to balance a checkbook, having to make a profit. And I guess the other surprising thing is the fact that uh, corporations recruit members to run uh, for Congress, uh, both House and Senate, basically to do the bidding work. Hmm. A lot of companies, uh, instead of hiring architects and media uh, experts, they hire lobbyists to do the bidding. That was a shock. And... um, but the good outweighs the bad. It gives me more incentive to try to elect people who have done something. You know, you would never think about putting somebody to fly, flying a 747 jet if all they've flown is a kite or, they, you know, didn't have real live experience flying a plane. The same applies to managing the budget, particularly with the federal budget now, as big as it is. Yeah. Do you notice, did you notice any difference or have you noticed any difference? Obviously, you came into office under Trump, you know, being a congressman under Trump versus under this Biden administration. Any big differences there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Joe Biden, I don't think you could dream up what's happened uh, since his administration took office for the last nine months. I mean, it's been anything but bipartisan. It's been big government. It's been... Uh, pretty much releasing the reins of government and policy to the radical uh, socialists on the left, AOCs, Rashida Tlaibs, Omars. And uh, the other thing is, I think it's pretty obvious to anyone that's seen Joe Biden, he's not cognitively all there. Uh, that's why he doesn't do. That's why he stayed in the basement during the campaign. That's why he doesn't doesn't uh, have press conferences, and he's got a willing press who just will not ask him questions other than the ones they think he can answer, which are softball questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, kind of going along with that. Obviously, we could pick a host of issues that the Biden administration has failed on or is failing on. Um, I know that you're on the Homeland Security Committee uh, with the border crisis, you know, that's taking place under this administration. What is your take on that issue? The number one question I get, Amanda, from people all, all over my district and really when I'm here in Washington from people all over, why? Yeah. Uh, why is he uh, letting anybody come into this country, uh, particularly with when we had the anniversary of 9-11? Um, you know, we got a, a living example of 3,000 people that died due to terrorism. Mm-hmm. And just as you wouldn't let anybody into your personal house or personal car to open the floodgates and let uh, what's soon to be 2 million people in before Christmas and the desire to have people 
uh, in this country to the tune of 8 million people that was in the reconciliation package is unheard of. And you just ask, why is he doing this? And I've been to the border twice. I saw uh, on a plane coming back uh, from the border in McCallum, Texas, where a hundred illegals had signs on their across the chest. We can't speak English, uh, no ID to speak of, no background that uh, it was known flying and into our country. And with this administration paying the flying cost and paying them to go secretly into cities and municipalities all over the country, it's just wrong. It doesn't make sense. It's a medical crisis. I mean, why is, is he putting the, the uh, COVID vaccine mandates on when there's no COVID mandates on illegals because he doesn't know who's coming in here? So this is a disconnect, and it's a uh, something American people are terribly upset about, and rightfully so. Is there anything, um, you know, I know it's, we don't have the majority in the House, obviously, but so what, what can you and your colleagues do on this issue to try to stop it or make some change? The only thing we can do now is, you know, ring the bell for what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, now, you know, Ted Cruz and I have two companion bills, Stop the Surge, where we uh, are advocating that, you know, if he's going to let everybody in, let's put them in the Nantucket, uh, Massachusetts, <laughs> in the Martha's Vineyard. Let's see how let's, that goes over. <laughs> let's see how that works. Yeah. And let's put them uh, in, in places that, the liberals that have money can, you know, uh, put their money where their mouth is when it comes to illegal immigration. And of course, I know that's never going to happen, but we're going to keep calling attention to it. And it's time to ring the bells because our country's at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, the other committee that you serve on, I know, is um, the Committee on Oversight and Reform, which is the main investigative committee in the House. And so I wanted to see if you could share with our listeners some of the work that you've been doing there and some of the anti-corruption work that you've been involved in as well. Sure. And, uh, man, it's been frustrating because, you know, we, we've of all the hearings we've had, and I started out with the Secretary Granholm, um, who she's has got a conflict of interest that we had written a letter to about where uh, she sat on the board of a uh, company that's actually in Greenville, South Carolina. One of their main headquarters is there, Proterra. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had the, uh, took part in, I'm sure getting the president there where he was uh, pretty much had a virtual event promoting the company, which is illegal. Uh, then he, you know, identified risk of things that they supply, batteries, electric vehicle, uh, they go in electric vehicles. And it's just a conflict of interest uh, that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her assistant secretary for energy and efficiency and renewable energy, Kelly Speaks uh, Bachman, same thing. She had a conflict of interest. She represented over 200 businesses that, um, you know, were were in and it had things in energy storage that had to do directly to do with what her job was. Uh, we never get a response back and it's just something that is very frustrating. And, you know, out of all the meetings that we could have, um, she just won't have it. Um, we've asked for a meeting with Merrick Garland, you know, recently he's uh, wanted to pretty much weaponize his position. Uh, and, Anybody that questions a school board make a big deal out of them being domestic terrorists, which right. is just not right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just been a, a, a list of things that we could be doing that, that 
the chairman of the oversight committee will not do. If it doesn't have to do with equity or uh, things that, uh, you know, demonize America, she just won't have it. And it's been very frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine. When you came to Congress, are these some of the issues that you, you know, you were passionate about to deal with? I'm passionate about term limits. I mean, I, I really believe term limits are an answer to a lot of our questions, a lot of our problems. You know, you just shouldn't have people coming to Congress, particularly since they don't have a business background, mm-hmm. staying up here, milking the system and staying forever. 20 years is way too long. I've got a bill up now that we're uh, moving through the House and hopefully the Senate that'll propose three terms for House members, uh, which would be six years, and then two six-year terms for Senate. And um, I think if this were to take place, and by the way, the, the majority of Americans feel strongly about this. You know, you have age cutoffs for flying airplanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have age requirements for a lot of particularly government jobs. But um, it ought to be for Congress. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. But we're going to keep advocating for it. But we kind of react, particularly now, when I think the stake of the country, you know, is is genuinely at risk with governmental socialism mm-hmm. uh, that this left is in control of. We got to stop it. We got to do what we can to stop it. And not being in, in the majority is a problem. But you do you you play the cards you're dealt, and we're being a sounding board for true reform, reduce government spending, and and all the other things. Mm-hmm. Playing the cards you're dealt, obviously we have um, some big legislative packages coming through um, Congress now with the with the spending bills and everything else. How do you think things are going, and where do you think things stand with that? Luckily, now, it, since it hasn't passed, they don't have the votes. Uh, both the $1.2 trillion and the $3.5, which is really a 5 to 7 trillion dollar spending bill um i'm excited that they do not have the uh, the votes now or miss pelosi would have brought it up mm-hmm. uh it's spending our country into oblivion uh i do think that uh americans now understand when you see some of the things that are in it uh as an example amnesty for eight million illegals uh, when you have uh, the IRS uh, being expanded to fill a football stadium of 75,000 agents where if you have over $600 in the account, uh, it triggers an audit. Uh, when you have a $6,500 per cattle tax uh, for methane, I mean, things like this, who could you dream, who could dream of this, these things It's com- completely a dumb idea. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I think, uh, we, there should be no Republican that votes for any of these spending bills with 28 trillion in debt, uh, and, and going up and, uh, Steve Moore just talked to our conservative opportunist society and laid out the threat that we have, um, and it's just been a barrage coming at this country from inflation to the Afghanistan crisis to, um, you know, so many things in the first nine months that are shocking, to say the least. 
Yeah. And I was, I was going to ask you, and you kind of, um, you mentioned the border before, but you know, when you're back in the district outside the border, cause you already talked about that, but what are some of the main issues that you're hearing from your constituent, from your constituents that are top of mind, you know, like how is the Biden administration really affecting people directly in your district? I'd say the thing that's gotten the attention of every American, not only in South Carolina, but all over the country, they see what they're paying for gas prices. I mean, we had some of the, we were manufacturing our own gas, exporting uh, gas to other countries. Now with the shutdown of the Keystone pipeline, mm-hmm. we're, we're buying gas from companies, countries that don't like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the average gallon right now is th- about $3 and 39 cents. Um, and it's, it's crazy, uh, where we could be self-sufficient. Now we're begging OPEC. Uh, to you know, increase the production and, you know, asking for cost reductions unheard of because they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, this goes into the why category that people are asking me, why are we doing this? Right. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, trucks that bring food to our grocery stores are powered by gas. Airplanes. I mean, we're, we're a gas-oriented um, society, and to say that trains can go to Hawaii, and like AOC and the, the left claim with, you know, the Green New Deal, is just crazy. It's outlandish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. With all of these issues that, you know, are turning America in the wrong direction, I wanted to get your take on what um, your predictions are for 2020 in the Republican Party. And if you're um, feeling like it's possible for us to take back the House and get things back on the right track. You know, uh, when you look at what's happening in Virginia, which has been a blue state, it's now a tide for governor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we'll be successful there. Uh, no, people are upset. They're feeling it now. And just like in 94, you got to have a reason to put incumbents out. If there ever a time in the history of this country that people don't uh, recognize that we have got to have a change, you cannot keep this type of insanity up. So I think the, 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 out, the, the optimism for a majority in the House for Republicans and conservatives is, is great. It's a matter of how many. It's not going to be easy. When you have a Stacey Abrams in South Carolina and in other states um, getting involved in race. Yeah, she just came to Virginia. Yeah, came to Virginia along with the vice president, along with mm-hmm. the president. I'm not sure that worked out like they thought. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I mean, it was, I mean, who would bring Joe Biden in with a 30, some argue a 32% approval rating. Right, right. So Apparently there were bigger crowds for Yunkin than for Terry McAuliffe and President yeah. Obama. <laughs> and I think this competition, uh, you know, McAuliffe is a political hack from way back. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure there's some, some rancor in having to get, you know, call these people in, but that's how desperate they are for power. And so I feel real optimistic, but power for the sake of power is no good. We've got to do something with it. And hopefully we're going to elect uh, candidates. And my job as a sitting congressman is to tell the story of what's happening to the country and then go out and get candidates to put their name on the lines and to activate we the people. It's now time for people to take control of the school boards, to go to meetings, to go to county council, city council meetings, and run for office. I mean, that's the greatest service they can give at this point in time. Last question before we get to our three last questions. Um, but is, you know, I live in Virginia, I'm from Virginia and education 
as as people are noticing in the governor's race has been a huge issue. And I was wondering if you're seeing the same thing down in your state too. Are people kind of waking up to what's going on in their schools and are, is it, you know, encouraging them to get more involved and maybe seeing that Democrats have had a lock on this issue for too long and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Particularly with young people. I mean, with, I mean, what greater, uh, what, what you have one shot at your children to educate them, to raise them, uh, to make them competitive in whatever God-given talent they have. And people now are saying government can't do it. Mm-hmm. And there is a forced silence that's been, people have been reluctant to speak out because the left is so volatile. They speak out. But now, I mean, look at the the pictures and the images of parents all over the country saying, we're not going to put up with this. We're going to speak out. We're going to take back control of our children. And we're going to get involved in the political process because you can't rely on government. I mean, government should be shrinking now, and it's not. And it's up to us to advocate for that and then to do the things to make that happen. Uh, you can't sit back now. You've got to, you got to get in the game. Uh, yeah. We've had too many spectators. Now's the time to get in the game. And I, you know, on a good note, I think people are. Yeah, it is a critical time. So. I'm hoping that your predictions come true for 2020 and people have realized that too much government has run, run amok and nothing good has come from it. So here's to big wins next year. Um, to transition to what some would argue is the most important part of this interview, <laughs> the last three questions that we ask every guest. Um, the first one is last meal on earth. What would it be for you? Last meal on earth would be a Italian meal of lasagna, uh, a salad with Italian dressing, and uh, probably eggplant uh, with egg, with uh, Italian sauces on it. Love Italian food. Okay. Did not see the eggplant coming, but I'm there for that, all that <laughs> pasta. Just carb load as your last meal. Um, the second question, what would you be doing if you were not in public service. And I would also say, what would you be doing if you um, weren't in Congress and also weren't in real estate? Because I know that's what you did before. But if you could be doing anything, what would it be? Well, real estate is my first love. I mean, I'm lucky because people can't do anything to me other than threaten to send me back home, Mm -hmm. which that's fine. I love real estate. I would probably be a investor of farmland and going to some type farming. Um, I love growing things. I love uh, seeing them, you know, the miracle of growth, planting a seed in the ground that's been dormant and then having a product. I love that. And, uh, probably be uh, buy a farm and uh, build a house and, and, uh, and have product that I grow along with animals. I'm into horses and cows and we grew up like that. So I would love that. Then I have a very interesting follow-up because one of our dear hosts here, comfortably smug thinks that he could take, beat a horse, like take a horse in a fight. And as someone who grew up with horses, I would love to get your take on that. Uh, I would love to put some, wager some money on that. Depends on the horse <laughs> temperament, but a horse can outdo a man if he's mean enough. Believe me, I've been bitten. I've been thrown off. I've been, I think he would lose that fight. I <laughs> All right, minions heard it here. First, we have an expert. Um, and the last question, what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? Um, the Well, I take, I will, let me use a quote Bear Bryant had. He said, you know, everybody wants to win, but not everybody is willing to put the, uh, the work 
and I guess in the preparation to win. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's it's winning, but the preparation goes right along with that. You can't have one without the other. Luck only runs out. You make your own luck. Right. So it's uh, it's 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 going to work and then winning. I hate uh, to to lose when I know I hadn't put the work in. Yeah. Right. All right. Very well said. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you coming on the show and um, we appreciate all the hard work you're doing for the conservative movement on our behalf. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you a lot, Amanda. Take care. I mean, look, first of all, compliments to Hollywood. She did a great Great job. job. She's a great interviewer. I I felt like Norman's take on the horse. uh, Gotta love it. That you couldn't take the horse smug. It's controversial, but, but but it's it's great that you know we have real deal listeners. We, oh yeah, you know, these these are folks who are who are with 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 they they get the program. Well, most of, so I I've talked to obviously a ton of members since we started the program. A, a huge number listen to the program on their way back home to their districts. Yeah, after a work a week, <clears throat> it, and now this is proof proof positive that not only are they listening. Ralph Norman's got an opinion on your ability to take an equine. Hey, you know what? I, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. And you gotta love this episode. Absolute banger. Start to finish. We told you it was gonna be high energy, and it's a high energy episode by all accounts. So, until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.